Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Well, hello and welcome to this week's Countryside with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark, And a good variety on this week's programme and a good variety of bonnags you've seen on Friday night. There certainly was. It was all shapes and sizes, all different colours and the uses of fruit and some without. And I think Tony Quirk had quite a tough job that night uh, trying to find his champion, but he went with the traditional one, a yeah. sour tasting type. Yeah, but it's amazing, isn't it, the, the amount of interest that that's shown in that it was it was a night of entertainment as well as you know the the bonnigs on display for was was everyone allowed to try them no not everybody but they did get the opportunity to purchase one and take it home and jeff corkish did a brilliant job of selling it with all the the funds going back into the church restoration and two charities as well any brought in with you today no sorry oh manx butter on stove as well was it put on them <laughs> no it was um Lots of Manx flour to take home, though, for everyone in attendance. Oh, fair enough, then. Well, I went along with Louise Sampson, who is the warden for the Ayers Nature Reserve up the north of the Isle of Man, and she was showing me about uh, a new um, innovation that they've got up there. They've been doing some work on parts of that area, and I followed her around there, and she explained to me what it was, so you can hear that on this week's programme. And also Ray Kelly, you remember, who launched the illustrated book, Manx Tolton's Volume 1, which was an illustrated book about many of the old uh, ruins they are now. They were all Manx uh, farmhouses and little Toltons and buildings that were just out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, he's been that successful. He's launched volume two of it now. So I went up Little London. We looked at some of them up there, uh, had a lovely chat and uh, brought back a lot of memories looking at these these old uh, Toltons that are still there in, in part. It's hard to believe that each one of those little Fultons had a farmer or a crofter or and people lived there. Now you hardly see a farm for miles, really, do you? It's no. so different. No, it is. But there we go. All that in full here on this week's Countryside. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Curie, a place I don't suppose you'll have been too often to, the Ayers Nature Reserve. No, I haven't, but I believe it's very beautiful there. It is beautiful, and uh, even at this time of year, there's things to find out about it. And one such thing is a new innovation that DEFA have got involved with. I went along to get the information about it firsthand from the warden for DEFA, Louise Sampson. And we found ourselves in a bit of a remote area. There's a lovely archway of sallows, isn't there, that you can walk through to get here. We've come to this area here. Well, this bit looks as though a farmer's been here with the rotavator. What's going on? Yeah, over the winter, the deffer tractor's been out here with the mulcher, and it's created these bare sand areas, and these have been specially created for the rare invertebrates that we have here on the National Nature Reserve. And it's something that we don't usually think about very often, the invertebrates that we have here. And by invertebrates, I mean insects it's all the species without a backbone so insects snails slugs spiders all of that kind of thing on the national nature reserve we have over 30 species that have been listed by the international union for conservation of nature who compile red lists of species that are rare 
and we have 30 of those species residing here on the National Nature Reserve and quite a few of them require this bare open sand habitat in these sheltered little spots because they have their own really unique microclimate. The sands warm up really really quickly and so they create the perfect habitat for these little invertebrates to reside. So one of the ones that we have here in this area is the small velvet ant and I have brought a little photograph of it here to show you. As you can see it's covered in little hairs which gives it the velvety appearance and again this is a nationally scarce creature or insect that occurs in very very few places but it does occur here on the Ayers National Nature Reserve. And you think of this area primarily I do as an area for birds or yeah. rabbits and things yeah. but th this opens it up to what it's really all about doesn't yeah, it? Yeah it is. This is one of the reasons why this site is designated. In the past there have been three surveys done for invertebrates. They are really really difficult to identify. It's usually a specialist area. We have over 40,000 species of invertebrates in the whole of the British Isles so as you can imagine trying to identify these it usually involves a microscope and really specialist skills so we've had three surveys in the past that have identified the majority of these nationally scarce invertebrates. We do have specialists on the island as well. We are very fortunate that we've got Steve Krellin who's a diptera specialist and he identifies many of the diptera on the Isle of Man and he's identified the airs as a stronghold for the Manx robber fly so that's another scarce species that you know, it doesn't occur in many other places. It's very much located around the Irish coast. The bit that we've got here, which is quite sheltered and, and quite sandy, is this the sort of area that all the invertebrates prefer? Some of them are coastal specialists, so they'll be in the sand dunes as well. Last year, Chris and Karen Wormwell found an ichneumon wasp again, which is exceptionally rare, in the Manx National Heritage Car Park on the airs that's surrounded by the pine trees so it's located in that area there so they are right the way across the reserve yeah they're using all the habitats but many of the really rare ones are using the sandy habitats how are people finding out what they are do some of them capture them put them in the jar bring them to you and then they're back released um, again some of them some people have managed to photograph them ah, right. but yeah as i said before a lot of them it's specialists so yeah they have special licenses to catch them take them away take specimens away and identify them talked a lot about the insects and invertebrates um the bird situation at the moment we're kind of in that changeover period where our wintering birds are starting to disperse and they're going off to their breeding grounds so over the winter this year we've had massive flocks of golden plover and there's been counts of up to 800 golden plover here which is a really good number and we've also had big flocks of oyster catchers ring plovers are around but they're starting to disperse and go off and then we'll start having our breeding birds returning and also our passage migrants so over the next few months we'll start seeing the wheaties coming through wind brawls the curlews will be establishing their breeding territories and you'll start to see them calling 
So yeah, it's that changeover period. Now this is quite a vast area um, at the Airs Nature Reserve here. I mean, are, are people free to roam it just about anywhere? Yep, they can. With animals as well? Well, with dogs, yes. Mm-hmm. Stay on the paths during the bird nesting season, which is from the 1st of April to the 31st of July. Dogs must be on leads on the National Nature Reserve and, you know, the bylaws are there to protect the wildlife. And under the bylaws, if your dog is not on a lead, you could be fined. So, yes, people are welcome, but, you know, behave responsibly. If you see birds flying around, calling and they're distressed, move away from them. What about the the invertebrate side of it? Can you do any damage there? No, I wouldn't say that any damage at all, so long as you're not actually disturbing any of the ground areas and they are really really great for engaging children we've got a species here that's reasonably common called the green tiger beetle and it has absolutely massive jaws on the front and it's like the tiger of the invertebrate world and it hunts down caterpillars and other invertebrates and takes them back to its burrow and feeds them to its young or its grubs and you know they are really fantastic for showing children they can be the most amazing colors i've got some other photographs here so this is the green tiger beetle it's a lovely green color shiny green color with yellow spots we've also got ruby tailed wasps now these are found right round the isle of man but you know they are absolutely stunning colors and they're a metallic greeny blue at the front with a lovely ruby tail and then we've got our real this moth here is actually endangered which is the scarce crimson and gold moth and it's a beautiful pink and yellow moth. I mean, they are absolutely tiny and you do, you know, need to get your eyes in to spot them. But when you see them, they are fantastic and they make fantastic photographs as well. You know, it's easy to photograph these without disturbing them. It's an eye opener, really, because people just walk around, maybe look at the birds, yep. look at the scenery and have a bit of peace and quiet here. But it's surprising what's under your feet, really, yeah, if you look closely. Yeah, definitely. You know, all along the back of the dunes during the summer, you can hear the grasshoppers, you know, constantly churring away. And it is a fantastic place, absolutely fantastic. Warden for Defa, Louise Sampson. And it is really fascinating. And you don't think of that like we're talking about there. You think of going there and seeing all the birds flying around and different species like that. You don't think of the, the tiny creatures that's uh, just on the ground there and such rare ones that the Isle of Man have, have got as well. It's brilliant the work that they're doing around the coastal and even the inland paths of all the different areas of scientific interest and, and the little insects and creatures. They are really rare, aren't they? They are. And uh, it's great that they, they've thought about this and obviously you know turning the, the ground over makes the, the sand exposed, keeps the warmth there. Makes sense when you look at it now, but uh, yeah, the good work they're doing and it's an absolutely fantastic area. So uh, just be careful though, as Louise said, with the dogs there at certain times, you know, the birds. But, uh, you know, you're free to roam around quite a lot of that area and it's very beautiful, particularly in the spring and the summer. We are very lucky to have such beautiful places to enjoy on the Isle of Man, aren't we? Good old spot for for mushrooms as well out there, Kiri. Some areas around there, but I don't see any bonnags growing in the ground. That's one thing for certain. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's because they were all in Dorby this week. Yeah, well, it was uh, it's the World Championship there, the Bonnigs, wasn't it, at at Dorby there? And it's not just a a display of Bonnig, is it? It's it's a full night that they make of it. It really is a brilliant night out, and um, 
high tea and also entertainment from Dot Tilbury and Friends. And uh, the icing on the cake is Jeff Corkish, busy selling them bonnigs and hardly one for under a fiver. So I went along and caught up with some of the organisers and competitors on such a brilliant night. Tony Quirk, you had a very difficult job here tonight judging the World Bonnig Championship. What were you looking for in particular in your winning one? Well, the first thing you look for is just eye appeal. Does it look like a bonnig? Does it look right? And then there are certain characteristics of a bonnig. There has to be kind of a sodery flavour to it, taste to it, a kind of a tingly flavour on the end of your tongue. There's a couple which, they're all of a high standard, they really are. We've got, how many have we got? 35, something like that. I've tried a little piece of each one. And a couple of bit sweet, perhaps, and they, they're more of a cake than a, than yeah. a, than a bonnig. Yeah. So, yes, they should be of a shape. They shouldn't be in a tin. They should be round, often with a bit of glaze on top of either egg or milk. There's a big debate whether it should have fruit or not. I think it doesn't matter. Yeah, because matter. there's a few here with fruit yeah. in tonight, isn't yes, there? Yes, there are. So it doesn't really matter whether it's got fruit or not. There's some commercial ones, very, very good there. Some gluten-free ones, which, again... Hundreds of years ago, when the bonnigs were first eaten, they, they wouldn't have thought. I don't think celiac <laughs> existed in those days. But anyway, yeah. So today, your winner was which one in particular? Well, I don't know the name because it's all uh, blind tasting. So the names are written underneath the ah, uh, okay, so. underneath the plate. So I, I don't actually know who the winner was. The ladies really? who organise it do, obviously, but uh, I don't. I just know the one that did win was the best of the, whole, the all of them. Yes. And do the classes differ much? There's obviously a ladies' class, gentlemen's, yeah. and children's as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, this year there's only a couple of children so please I appeal to you next year have a go because it's so simple it's a, it's a giant scone basically isn't yeah. it really? <laughs> yeah there's like I'm great that it's good that the men have tried it's like it's a bit like barbecue and the men have got to have a go at barbecue you know, they don't cook all year and yet bonnet time and and uh, barbecue they have to come out and have a go don't they to they show. really do yeah well is there a standard set of ingredients or recipes that the competitors have to follow no there's no standard that they have to follow but certainly all it, all it would be would be some butter some flour self-raising flour or plain flour and then you'd add a, na- a raising agent which would be soda or uh, bicarbonate soda or cream of tartar as well some people put egg in it some people don't and of course buttermilk that's the most important thing is buttermilk to give that tart flavour to it again but if you can't get buttermilk which you can these days all the supermarkets have it but if you can't yoghurt does or a bit of lemon juice in some milk would do the same job but buttermilk is the best thing and it's easily found on the Isle of Man and is it difficult to make does it take an awful long time No, throw your flour into a mixing bowl, rub in your your, your butter, add a bit of sugar if you want to, add your bicarbonate of soda or cream of tartar, whatever you want to do to make it rise, Uh, rub it all together, throw in your liquid, an egg if you want to, mix it together, get a firm sort of dough that you can mould into a shape, and as you can see, they're they're, they're fairly standard sort of shape. Bake it in the oven, it'll take about 40 minutes maybe in the oven, and that's it, a bit of glaze on top, and that's it. Because this once was the the staple of the Manx diet. Yeah, wasn't it? Well, I don't want a staple because, because spuds and heron would be the staple. <laughs> yeah, but the, this uh, this would be eaten with a thing called pinjan. Pinjan is junket. You know, have you ever had junket? No, I haven't. Okay, well, junket is milk, warm milk, and rennet, and they have this with pinjan, which is I say junket basically to you and I. Yes, yeah, me. yeah. So, like people now maybe have it as a dessert, possibly the fruit version. Can you have it with soups? Is, is no, it? Well, it was still traditionally would be as a as a de- not a dessert, no, but like an afternoon. Tea. If you went for an afternoon tea, same same uh, basis as a scone. Whenever you have a scone, you'd you'd have a piece of uh, of, of bonnet, yes. Yeah. So your winner today, then Tony, was an outstanding one. It was absolutely outstanding one. Yes. It, it covered uh, you all had to the ask, options. Uh, one of the others, it did absolutely. 
Um, no doubt we'll find out who, who the actual winner was name in a few minutes, yes. Brilliant. Jane, you've just won the World Bonnick Championship title. How does that feel? I know, I can't believe it, honestly. <laughs> and what was the secrets to your Bonnick? Well, I just did it as I would normally do it. I don't make it a lot of times, but... Um, I thought I'd have a go this year at the um, competition. So, um, so you're not a regular to the competition then at all? Well, I have entered it before, yes, but I don't do it every year, no. Was yours a traditional recipe then? Because I've seen some there with fruit and the judge said some were more like cakes. What was your recipe? Was there any secrets to it? No, I don't tend to put fruit in mine. I just do it plain. Um, I don't know whether that's really traditional or not but um, that's just the way that I do it and certainly the judge you know commented on how nice it looked and obviously the texture and with with Tony Quirk he's a professional in his uh, area so he was really looking out for the best one really I suppose just look at the draw <laughs> <laughs> but not only that your husband he also won the gentleman's class now you didn't do it for him did you I did not do it for him no he did his slightly different to me Cooked it differently, but um, that was it. <laughs> so there's competition within the household, let alone at this one. <laughs> but it is a wonderful evening put on here at Dorby, isn't it? It is, yes. Marvellous, really, um, in entertainment and the food is wonderful oh, it really yes. is. all the home baking but the, the house was full wasn't it yes well you have to book in early to get a seat and it's a cold night tonight but it certainly didn't deter the entries really? and you to be the world champion i know so much achievement can't believe it <laughs> howard you won the gentleman's section and your dear wife won the overall bonnig championship now how does that make you feel <laughs> uh, well perhaps uh, when we get home i'll have to uh, Ask her the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll have to dig in the book and steal it for next year, maybe. Indeed, yes, yes. No, we, um, we, we both decided to enter, and um, we both did it completely separate. I do it a little bit different from, from Jane, but obviously I'm going to have to change... Um, and get the recipe uh, uh, tweaked. <laughs> <laughs> Come back next year. Oh, yes, yes, Definitely. yes, yes, yes. Margie, yet another successful world champion bonnet competition here tonight in Dorby. What a great turnout. Wonderful. Really, really good. We just can't believe how good the support is for this sort of thing people like a bit of Manx entertainment they really and talk of entertainment Dot Tilbury and Friends what a brilliant show tonight wonderful yes never fail to please <laughs> absolutely great but it's great to see the young girls singing as well you know the guild is coming up what an ideal spot oh. to do practice that was lovely they were really good the girls just beautiful voices and so confident oh, yes. lovely to see but the classes here tonight Margie the gluten-free, the commercial classes, the ladies and gentlemen's, you know, it's something for everybody to get involved in, isn't there? Yeah, well, we're very keen on the commercial one because, um, unfortunately, you see a lot of fruitcake in commercial premises being sold as bonnig. Ah. And that's why we started the commercial class, so that uh, we will have a proper Manx bonnig when it's supposed to be bonnig. And happily, Greens have won again. <laughs> Very good. There's been some absolutely brilliant winners, but to have the ladies winner and the gentlemen from the same household. I know. That was amazing, wasn't it? Uh, Howard has won before, uh -huh. but uh, a few years ago. So, yes, it was nice to see the two of them win. But there were so many cakes on, on show and the judge, Tony Quirk, he, he had so many positive remarks for them all. Yes, well, he's he's entered himself in the past and he has won in the past. So uh, he, he does know a good Bonnig. It was great to have him here tonight and even better that he'd entertained us as well. He really did. But tonight it was lovely to have the sponsors as well. 
ShopRite are just so kind to us. Every year with, uh, when I ring them up, they're just so happy to help. They help different Manx um, organisations all the time. We're very happy with uh, our help from them. And also the, the lovely trophies that have, have been getting handed out for how many years now has I, it been running? I was trying to think, we must be doing this for about 25 years. It's just going from strength to strength and keeping the idea of the Manx alive really. And I suppose now with all the social feeds on, on online, people can you know come from any parts to hear. Yes, well we've got Adobe Facebook page, St James's Facebook page and a website so people can keep up to date with what we're doing. The charity auction afterwards you know, you've got two lovely charities to this year as well. Yes, Bridge the Gap I think it's close to everybody's heart when you've got teenagers with such disabilities and um, you know to, to just to support the Bridge the Gap charity we're really really uh, pleased about and the overseas one again the hospital which is supported by the Isle of Man it's wonderful to see. So Margie is there any secret recipe that makes a winner stand out? I wish I knew. <laughs> They seem to be getting better and better every year, the Bonnigs, in this uh, competition. So th there is some beautiful Bonnigs there tonight. And the, um, they auctioned off so well. That's really good. We've never, never had an auction like that. We've done really well. And I suppose with having Jeff Corkish as the auctioneer, he brought the house down on many occasions tonight. It was wonderful. He does such a good job. Really, really good. Loved it. But we all enjoyed a very nice tea tonight the, the teas and the cakes are homemade sandwiches it really is a, a manx tradition here in dorby yeah it is there's um all homemade everything's homemade the cakes the sandwiches um i think uh, that makes a difference if it's homemade some and nice cakes definitely a team effort oh a team effort yes <laughs> all and, those and ladies in there tonight <laughs> yeah. and we've got a kukri book so um if anybody wants any of our recipes, come and get a copy of our... Well, the Lexicon have our cookery book in, so a taste of Dorby. So who knows, it could be the winning Bonnig recipe oh, in that book. It's in there. <laughs> <laughs> that was Tony Quirk, the judge, Margie Killy, the organiser, Jane and Howard Richardson, two of the competitors. The results for the World Bonnig Championships was the ladies' champion was Jane Richardson, the gentleman's champion was Howard Richardson, Gluten-free went to Nicky Beavis and commercial champion went to Greens in St John's. Not just half a dozen Bonnigs there, though, was there? No, <laughs> just short 40. And really? what an array they were. Some with fruit, some without. Some more like cakes with lots of sugar added. But um, Tony Quirk did a great job deciphering them into the different orders and uh, he went for some of the sour, more traditional types yeah, this time. Yeah, well, I suppose lots of the Manx traditionals will like that side of it. He tasted them as well? He did this year. We had Paul Kelly last year who didn't believe in tasting them and, uh, yeah, it's amazing what different judges do, isn't it? It is indeed. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, a year or so ago now, Ray Kelly launched Tolton's Volume 1, which was an illustrated book with many photographs of old buildings and Tholtons that are now ruins, all scattered around various parts of the Isle of Man. They've got little footnotes and various bits of history along with them. Well, it was that successful, he's launched Volume 2, and I caught up with Ray at Little London to look at some more. I was sitting here on um, a place called Coity Cubbon, which I own, in front of me, there's about seven little Thultons, all within each side of each other. The one in front of me is called Croydy Cubbon. In the valley across the way is Crunk Dew. Then we've got Knock Dew. Then opposite, on the hillside, there's a Bala Ellis. And from Bala Ellis, we go to Bala Sale. Then we go to um, Dream Beery, Eerie Glass. 
and uh, finally back up to um, Glen Helen. So there's lots to be seen. Do you think it was deliberate that they were within sight of each other so people could keep an eye on them? Or? I would say so because you know, there was no phones those days. Well, there was nothing else. You'd hang a white sheet out or there'd be a fire or, or some sort of light. That would be the only way. But looking around at these, uh, the half a dozen or so that you've mentioned, I mean, can these get restored or are they gone? Well, I suppose they could be restored, but more, they got the stage where they'd be flattened. And uh, to be fair, you'd have to start from scratch because most of them never had a foundation, so there'd be no damp-proof course, you know, you're never going to get past that stage. When you look at your Manx... Tolton's book one, Ray. What a great success it's turned out it's, to be. So successful that... We've launched a volume two, which is uh, out on the shops now, although I believe a lot of it's gone. Um, volume one is no longer available. It's sold out, I'm afraid. Volume two will probably go the same way. Uh, I don't intend to print anymore because it's just a very expensive thing to do. So they're there. If you want them, buy one. Did you think there'd be enough Tolton's and, and things to put in a second one? Well, I thought... To be honest, when I did the first one, that would be it. But the first one generated volume two because people gave me more things to go and do. And I've got a whole stack more from volume two to go and do as well. So if I've got the time and things go on, there would be enough to keep a few books going. It's time, really, that is the issue because the research and putting it together does take quite a bit of effort. And that's something we spoke about the last time. You know, we're trying to trying to get this information because the people that lived in these will, will be long oh. gone, and and whether any of their families are still here. You know, that the ground that they're on. Well, there's there's a few about that I'm going to try and talk to. There's a Stanley Quirk who lives up in Kinsley, and he's lived on his place. 80 years and he came from a, a place which is now a ruin. It's a guy called Joe Lease at St John's. He has got quite a lot of information but they're few and far between and the few that are about may not be able to actually communicate anymore either so it is something that has to be done quicker than the later. And just remind us about how the fascination with them started Ray, these, these old Manx Toltons or old Manx cottages as they were built out of sort of round or any type of stone that could be found in the area I suppose. Yeah yeah they were, like if it was a beach near a beach it was beach stone if it was on a hill it could be stone or sod it was as you said was what it was available. I suppose the passion really is the fact that I came from farming stock I do I just found there was so little information on these places, so little history, and yet they're like if a Manx, like the Alaman is, we all came from these little places. You know, we started in the hills, we moved to the towns, but we started in the hills, and that's where we came from. But we don't know. People don't have any recollection or memories of going back because these places didn't have any deeds. They were never sold. So of course, when they disappeared, they just stopped. The, the history stopped with them, and the people are dying who lived in them. Was there any interesting things found around the areas? Obviously, you seek permission to go to, obviously, private ones. But did you find any sort of artefacts around the buildings? Yeah, there's usually um, bits of crockery, which means you can date it from a certain time scale. Um, there's um, bits of china here and there. There'll be a cooking pot here and there. Not an awful lot because they didn't have very much. So no, when they left, they didn't leave very much. You know, They didn't leave a house full of stuff. It was just to survive and live. But my wife is extremely good at picking up the details. She sees the sand and I see the beach. So I usually take and she finds something I never see, which always amazes me. We've been up here 10 years and only last week I found a water mill down in the valley down here. I've never seen one before. It's got a wheel on it and everything. So it was actually an old grinding thrashing mill. And I've lived here 10 years. I've been up here 10 years. Never knew it was there. I was talking there to Ray Kelly after the launch of his second book, Manx 
Tolton's Volume 2 and some, some great pictures and little stories that go with that. It's great. The history that he must have had to have dug up to find out about all these different Tholtons, how they came about, that would take hours on its own, let alone going around photographing them. But some of them we've never even seen before, so what an opportunity to you know discover where they are and actually go and take a look for ourselves now. Yeah, but it was nice looking over that view and seeing them. And it was just me and Ray just sat there in silence for maybe a minute or so, just looking and imagine how things were uh, all them years ago when people lived in them. Is it the homesteads and the farms and how they lived with no power and no water and the distance they had to travel and, yeah, how things have changed. But who knew there were so many Thaltons and old buildings out there around the island? Gosh, look at it now. Somebody's phone is off for 10 minutes. Oh, what are we going to (laughs) do? There was them people waving flags or light a bit of a fire to draw attention. Oh, what's happening at that farm over there? There we go. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, there we are. We wish Ray Kelly well with the Manx Tolton's Volume 2. And it's great uh, that that's been so well received by people on the Isle of Man. You know, he's a very keen photographer as well as uh, wanting to know about the history of these old places that are just strewn in the middle of nowhere. And it's hard to imagine looking at some of these that people actually live there in the middle of nowhere. But it was great hearing that the, most of them were in sight of another one because obviously no oh. communication or nothing, but they could see or keep an eye on it and see if anything was wrong or nobody would moved for days, you know. It's unbelievable the mm. way that just generations change, you know, over time. Only a handful of years ago, really, I suppose, isn't yeah. it? But it's nice that Ray's taken the time to do it as well. It is. You know, and it was great. nice to have a walk around the... Airs Nature Reserve with Louise Sampson, the warden, very, very knowledgeable and uh, great fun to be out with. And she showed us uh, a lot of the the new innovations because we think of birds and different animals out there. And this project they've got going now is to to help the invertebrates, the little insects and animals that are, are a lot of them are rare and you know fairly rare around the the country. You know, in in general, you know, we've got some of them here on the Isle of Man, which is nice. We want to keep them there too. This is it. And part, they're part of the big circle of life, aren't they, really? And and if we have got some rare ones, it's best way to keep them safe. But she's so passionate and she's got a great team around her that, uh, you know, driving the innovations like this forward is it's very, very good. Yeah, and uh, the future of the... The World Bonnig Championship seems in good hand. It really is. I think that's safe and uh, here to stay for a very long time. But it's great to have the, the different classes as well for everybody to get involved. So next year, come on, Simon. Oh, well, you never know. All right, we better escape quickly before I <laughs> have to make one. Uh, we'll leave it there. We'll be back next week with more for the Countryside Programme. Until then, from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kiri Kermit. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus Broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shaw.com. Love being Shaw. Terms and conditions apply.